You on? Yeah. Dope. Nice. You got a great voice for a radio. <laughs> <laughs> I put people to sleep, apparently. <laughs> That's the chat online. Trying to work out whether that was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Normally it's your great it's face. Perception, the yeah. way you see it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Guys, welcome to the Hypecast. Today we have the incredible Ryan Gambin on the episode. Careful. What's up, brother? <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Great, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Ryan's sort of, um, just to put it out there, Ryan's sort of taking a, a really cool position with us at the moment. Um, today, I guess, we've kind of agreed and appointed Ryan as the strength and conditioning coach of Combat Training Center. Yeah. What up? Welcome to the team. Use, bro. use the clap button. Do you know which one it is? You've got it. Oh, you cooked it. You cooked it. I thought you at least knew which one. It, there. It was one of two. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. That's the first time we've used these effects. And it was perfect. I really like that you've got that on there. Yeah. Is that the green one? I'm keeping an eye on the no, green. I have no idea. Yeah, the yellow one we know is for okay. clap. I'm, I've got it stored in the head now. <laughs> Brother, it's so awesome. Obviously, yeah. we've known each other for a long time and it's so cool to finally be able to partner with you and work with you. It's something that we've talked about for a long time, but obviously certain life issues get in the way and, and now we're at the position in our lives where we can partner and make something amazing from from this, this, this place that we're in and this partnership and I'm just so excited about what the future has for us. It's been very organic. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself in... The fact that I, I felt that this was always going to happen. Yep. Um, huge. <laughs> I've had a big decade. Yeah. A big old decade um, of, of ups and downs and, and education and work. Um, but as soon as I saw what you guys were doing, um, I always had a feeling I was going to be involved in, in some aspect. Um, more particularly like a, a heavier role. I always thought I was going to be more involved than say like just popping in and sticking my head in every yeah. now and then. Um, I'm not sure how you feel or even Sel. So, um, we've known each other in in circles. Yeah, in, I think in, we've. I've, yeah. Well, I've always had a respect for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, in the things that you've achieved, and and I, you know, I like I love the Gold Coast, man. Yeah. You know, you tend to you tend to know, uh, you tend to gravitate towards people, and the Gold Coast is what you make it. Yep. yep. You know, I, I don't like people uh, dissing the Gold Coast um, because there's so much beauty in this place and, and so many good things happening. Um, and I avoid the bad things yep. and I gravitate towards people like this and yep. people like yourself. 100%. Um, but I'm so happy. I'm so, so happy um, to be involved with you guys and it's where I feel like I belong. It's where I feel like I've belonged for a while. Um, and I'm really happy to hit the ground running after this whole COVID experience. Yep. Yep. Again, timing ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm thankful and happy. Well, this is incredible. Obviously, like, you know, it's so good to hear that you're happy to be partnering with us, but we are ecstatic. Um, obviously, you know, if anyone's seen your email, you'll see the long list of yeah. achievements <laughs> and yeah, qualifications and things that, no, you don't have to change it at yeah, all. It, see, this is, this is what we, this is what we're going to do with Ryan. He's so modest right now. He doesn't yeah. talk about his achievements. So we're going to do it on his behalf. But for this podcast yeah. right now, for those who don't actually know who you are and what you've achieved, please hold the modesty. <laughs> Tell us about your history. 
go as far back as you feel is relevant <laughs> and tell us. It's weird now because I have history now. Yeah. I'm, I'm so not used to being an older guy. Yeah. You know, I turned 35 <laughs> recently and um, I, I, I was a swimmer initially. And, and when you're good at sport, you're usually the young guy because you're, you're yeah. achieving higher than the people around you. So I still feel like I'm the young guy. But then, oh, mate, just the other night, I was with one of my best mates and, and his fiance. We were just chatting about just stories. We were telling stories for like three hours and we had the best time. And I was just like, holy shit, I've done a lot, you know? And for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm mature and I have these stories and, right. and things to share. But. I mean, for, for me, my story kicked off when I was young, young, you know, like before memories. Um, I think I was a, a bit of a naughty kid with a lot of energy. And my mum's solution to that was to throw me in the pool. So I, get, I, I, guess, I guess most people that know me know I was a swimmer. Um, it's, again, it's not something I talk about a lot. Um, because I was, I was raised, you know, through the primary school system, the high school system and... And uh, I, I guess I had my times of being cocky, so now I, I'm almost a little bit too modest in being in an industry where it helps having yeah, my history noise. and my background and, and education. And, of course, noise, man, yeah, yeah, absolutely, social media and noise. And, and we had an email just recently where I said, I'm actually, when it comes to my work and my training and my athleticism, I'm a little bit introverted. Um, I like to work in the shadows uh, and then let my let my performance speak for itself but we're in a, a day and age now where that's not necessarily the way to get ahead in life so back to my story yeah i was a swimmer um and you know i, I took a lot from my swimming career i don't think i'd be the strength coach i am today uh, if it weren't for my swimming career i won't say i learned a lot about performance and strength and conditioning from my swimming career i, I think i actually learned more lessons about where i what i could have done better um, and, and as you guys know, I take my job very seriously now because I felt like I could have been a better athlete if I had a bit better advice. And I don't mean to, you know, bag any of my coaches. I respect all my coaches because they did the best job with the education that they had. Yep. Um, perhaps I have better resources and, and, well, of course we do with technology these days. So, um, you know, I have a unique story when it comes to my swimming career because I was um, swimming in Australia and, and representing teams. Uh, but right when my career was, I guess, about to kick off, I was approached by the Maltese Olympic Committee. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm half Maltese. My dad's Maltese and that gives me half Maltese blood. And it's something that I'm proud of. Um, and I try and keep this story relatively short. There's a lot of detail in it, but they offered me... Um, uh, almost an opportunity to create history is the way that I saw it because they reached out and said, listen, we've never had anybody qualify for the Olympic Games. We've had people compete at the Olympic Games, but no one has met Olympic qualifying standard. We think you have the ability to do that for us. So I thought about it and, yeah, committed to it and uh, was really excited about it. And then touching on, you know, my, my coaching, I wasn't satisfied with it. And I had my own ideas and that's not really, you know, well looked upon when you have a coach and you're trying to tell the coach how you should be coached. Yep. So I took it as an opportunity to leave the country. Uh, if I was going to represent Malta, I wanted to be Maltese. So I didn't have to, 
but I upped and, and moved to Malta mm-hmm. and I coached myself for a year. Um, wow. Yeah, huge. Like thinking about it now, I'm like, what was I thinking? I hadn't even done any of the education or the study that I've done now. So that was a huge roll of the dice um, because remember, I still had to meet Olympic qualifying standards. I was swimming in a, a pool by myself, mm. going to the gym by myself, writing my own swimming training programs myself. I didn't even have anyone standing on the side of the pool looking at me for a whole year saying, you look good, mate. Well done. Yeah. You know, with a stopwatch, um, you know, good time. And one of the funniest parts of the, the whole experience was uh, I had an opportunity. I went to Eindhoven in the Netherlands for, I, b- I believe it was the European champs. And I was on the blocks. And it was the first big competition I'd done since coaching myself for a year. And I had that moment. I was like, shit, am I good still? I don't know. I don't know if what I've been doing for a year is going to pay off. And long story short, jumped in the water, made Olympic qualifying time. I remember I hit that wall. I knew my parents were watching. It was early morning here. Um, obviously, they were just watching online. And I thought that, you know, when you know your parents are going to be proud of yeah. you, and, and that's something to do with me. I, I like making people proud of me. Um, yeah, my goggles filled with water. I was just yeah. crying because it was a year. It was a gamble yeah. that paid off. And it was a year of hard work and effort and study. Like, I had to teach myself how to coach myself. Um so that was incredibly cool. And then I had another couple of months prep, um, still living in Malta. Um, and I actually almost became part of the Spanish Olympic team by default because our Olympic committee had a good relationship with the Spanish Olympic committee. And uh, they took me under their wing. They were awesome. And um, really sort of took me as one of them. So I was like this Australian guy that was Maltese that was a part of the Spanish Olympic team. Yeah. So. You know, I, I got some pretty good people skills and, and the ability to get along with people and respect people. And um, man, what an experience. Like here I am sitting on a podcast talking about my swimming career. So um, after that, obviously I went to the Olympics and people always say, did you win? You know, uh, <laughs> obviously it wasn't about that to me. I did not beat, I'm happy to say I didn't beat Michael Phelps. He, right. he won the 100 <laughs> metres butterfly, the race that I raced yeah. in. Uh, I did quite well. I just missed the semi-final, which was my goal. Um, but in saying that, man, my goal was to walk out there um, on the o- opening ceremony. Um, I performed so well and my Olympic committee was so proud of me that uh, at the end of the Games, they let me f- uh, carry the flag for Malta. Wow. Yeah. So I was a flag bearer yeah, awesome. at the back of the, um, the closing ceremony of yeah. the Olympic Games in Beijing and I carried that flag out for Malta. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, you know, I can't man. wait until my daughter Blossom yeah. can... I keep trying to tell her how cool I am. <laughs> and she doesn't get it, man. They never get it, man. No. The kids no. never think you're as good as what you think. No. Like, I remember I took Ellis to um, Titans and I was like, man, I played this. And he was just like, oh, yeah? And I was like, yeah, like this stadium, like I played here. And he's just like, oh. And then he just looks back at the phone. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, you're too, you're hard to please. Yeah, you're hard yeah. to get a win with. Yeah. Yeah. It'll come. Yeah. It'll come. It'll come. When, you know, I'm sure Bloss will be at school one day and yeah. telling him about daddy went to the Olympics. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, that is what I believe kickstarted my journey into coaching uh, because I had to learn how to coach. I had to study human performance and energy systems and, and related to my event. Um, 
I've got many stories about we spoke today about how I wasn't actually um, that happy with the way I was being coached and I changed things up big time um, when I went to Malta and that was another gamble you know I went from swimming um, 6k a session two sessions a day to about 4k a session a day sorry yeah 4k once a day yeah yeah and then I included a bit more strength and conditioning I was a sprinter um, and let's not go down that path because I get too passionate about it, um, which is part of my job and why I love my job and why I'm passionate about my job. Um, but yeah, I changed things up a lot and had a big gamble. And I believe, well, put it this way, at the Olympics, I swam faster than I ever swam in my life. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that, yeah. There's, there's the pat on my back yeah. that, that I needed myself. Yeah. Um, straight after that, I had uh, an opportunity to, and people think I'm crazy, because I had an offer from the Spanish Olympic Committee to train and race uh, in Barcelona. So in Barcelona, they take swimming pretty seriously, like club level swimming, and they have races and you can earn a little bit of money. Um, And so that was my opportunity. They said, listen, come and train and race with us for four years. All your board, food, training, everything's supplied, paid for. You can earn a little bit of money racing um, and we'll train you up until London 2012. On the flip side of that, while I was back in Australia and I was waiting for that contract to come through, I got another proposal to do my Cert 3 and Cert 4 in fitness, which doesn't seem like a lot compared to four years of training for the Olympics. Uh, But lo and behold, I I took the Cert 3 and Cert 4. I thought it was time to start real life and and get a job. Uh, And I don't think I regret it. I think I'm happy. I just said I'm happy. I'm happy where I am right now with you guys doing this podcast just um, did some training over at combat before. So I probably would not have been there if I took the other option. So I'm pretty happy I took that option. That's man. Yeah. With with being an athlete and then going to the transition of a coach, there's not many that I know. And to be honest, I know you're extremely good at your job. I've seen other athletes just naturally that are some of the most gifted athletes I've ever seen, but they don't make a good coach. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found the ones that aren't as good athletically end up making better coaches. This could be coincidental to the people I've run in, run into. I don't know whether it's because the people that weren't athletically gifted had to think so much harder mm. and think about the mechanics and the biodynamics and everything, the holistic process more than someone that just naturally clicks their fingers and just can do it. Have you found from your athletic career to where you are now, so much has carried you across or has it almost just been complete fresh start? Being a coach was nothing like being an athlete and they didn't transfer across at all. That's a really good question and good point yeah. that, I, that I haven't pondered myself yeah. um, because I, I'm happy to face facts and I wasn't a world champion. Yeah. Um, and, and what you said about not being that gifted as some people are, and having to put the work in, yeah. perhaps that did educate me a bit more. Um, that's a really good question and a really good point um, because I know a lot of world champions. Yeah. I coach a lot of world champions, exactly. but I'm also yeah. friends with a lot of world champions from my swimming career. And um, they, uh, <laughs> I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but they're, yeah. they're very self selfish and yeah. self, self-centered. And um, perhaps that's part of why they're not that good at, Coaching. Yeah, at coaching yeah. because they're they're so self-involved or yeah. they've just had so much success as an athlete that, you know, it doesn't interest them. Um, personally, 
in my head, I'm still an athlete. Yep. Um, I, I still feel like I have something to give and I'm not ready to admit that I haven't reached my pinnacle of performance. Um, I think, you know, with my education and, and things available to me now, I think I still have something left to give, whether that's in jiu-jitsu or I go down boxing or, or whatever it is, yeah. you know, I still, that's the athlete in me. Yeah. Um, but I also get genuinely excited when I train athletes and I don't have a reason why. Yeah. Like, I just love, I just enjoy yeah. it and I enjoy helping other people. Um, That's a European in you, bro. You maybe. Wanna, you wanna yeah, yeah I want to give. give. Yeah, yeah, the Maltese, the European yeah. in me. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good question. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think the athlete in you would ever go away, though? You mentioned almost. Uh, like, I actually don't think it does. I don't know. I reckon I'll be I'm 80 fearful. still, like, trying to push my son over. Hope so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. Like, like yeah. I, just, I just know me intrinsically. Like, I'm not a person that... On, in a competitive environment, I'm competitive. I'm never like the person that will try to hold someone down from achieving. Like I'm helpful and everything, but if it's like me versus you. You're dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I've always. Or at least I'm gonna yeah. try yeah, real hard. I'll, I'll you know? give yeah. you like, you'll be in a fight, whatever it is. Like it doesn't have to be an actual fight, yeah. but you'll get the best of me and I expect you to give the best of you yeah. and so forth. Like I yeah. just enjoy that nature, but I don't think that would ever disappear. I hope not. Yeah. I do. Maybe I it does. Since, I, I maybe since early 30s, I've, I've um, taken note of it. I'm like, I feel yeah. like there's maybe this monkey that might be on my back that one day says, you're not as good as you were before. Yep. Mm. And I'm fearful of that day. Yeah. Maybe it'll never come. Yeah. Interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting one, man. Cause yeah. But you know what? I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying getting older. Yep. I'm enjoying getting wiser. I'm enjoying ha- watching my priorities change you know from being a very selfish person myself to now the most joy i can feel these days is watching my daughter be happy yeah that is the most joy i can feel and i know i'm a selfish person by nature and i love my hobbies and you know i do the things i want to do because i want to do them when i want to do them but you know what i give anything up to watch yeah. my daughter be happy. 100%, man. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really enjoying this process of learning and maturing and getting older. And um, I don't think it's something to fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so tell us, obviously, you you know, post-swimming career, um, you got your Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. What happened then? Uh, I took that very seriously because obviously I gave up four years training for the Olympics in 2012, London 2012, for that career. So I didn't really know any different because I already had this established mindset of a swimmer when I was here training in Australia. Then that got leveled up when I went to Malta. So that, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Not motivation, discipline. Mm -hmm. That discipline, you know, transferred to my Cert 3 and Cert 4. So, I mean, it's, it's not a real big deal, Cert 3 and Cert 4, but I took it like a hell of a big deal and I wanted to do the best I could um, six months after taking that class, I was teaching that class. So I'd basically decided that I want to teach this. Um, and I showed up every single class, every single class I showed up, I listened, I learned, and I did that for six months. And then I was teaching the class, um, which I really enjoyed. And I feel, I, to this day, I still feel like that's probably what I'm almost best at, um, teaching. And I mean, obviously I'm teaching when I'm coaching, but I like presenting seminars. I like teaching in a classroom. I like that stuff. So um, f- 
from there, I after teaching and I was obviously PTing and stuff on the side and strength coaching, I opened my own facility here in Burley. And that was called Sculpt Training Centre. That's right. Yeah, Sculpt. Yeah, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I knew of that joint. I, I didn't that. know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we, yeah, yeah we, we made waves, man. And that was a I'm, nice facility. I'm very, yeah. I'm very proud of that. Um, I, I had a good reputation coming out of the facility that I was teaching and coaching out of. I had built a good reputation there. And then that transferred over to my commercial gym. So I had about 15 staff, like 15 PTs working for me that I was, you know, basically mentoring as well. Um, I was working the gym floor and it was just that golden age of PT and fitness in the general industry. So um, it was, it was so cool. That was 20, about end of 29, around uh, 2009, 2010. Um, and yeah, we, we did really, really well. Um, you know, as some things can happen, um, wheels fall off and I had a better opportunity to just focus on my own coaching. Um, and I'd, I'd I'd had, I'd, um, built a gym at my house and I had more people wanting to come there and just train under me than at the facility. So I, you know, took that ball and ran with it and thought it was time to bow out at Sculpt mm-hmm. and the guys that were there already, they, they took over and kept going. Um, and I focused on, that's when I started focusing on my abilities as a coach um, and working with athletes more one-on-one, mm-hmm. um, started working with more fighters and stuff just out of my house. And that was going really, really well. I used to wake up, you know, five in the morning, walk down the back, you know, 5.30 client and then client, 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 have a break in the middle of the day and then doing that. Um, Loving it, loving life. They were great times. Yeah, yeah, and then, and yeah, we were we were spending time together. You were coming in. I felt um, I got my strongest ever. Yeah, we we had a whole like jujitsu crew that were coming in and um, coming in on Saturday mornings, and then I was giving people advice and stuff. So I've been so lucky. Um, I think in the martial arts industry as well because I've uh, I've been a person that that has something to give, um, and uh, you know the martial arts industry as a whole is quite respectful and and people would respect my time and then give me their time in return we had such good times you know when we we're rolling and stuff and um you know i'd, I'd love it when you'd come over go run i try this or try that you know like um oh, i've been very fortunate around the martial arts industry and the, the people that i've coached so being able to coach a, f- a few ufc fighters a couple of world champion kickboxers um boxers and um that's when I caught the attention of um, a golf coach. Mm-hmm. And you might think, mm, golf, that's weird, like going from fighters to golfers. Uh, but if you think about the, the biomechanics within a golf swing, um, it's a beautiful explosive event, which is my jam. Yep. You know, like I'm not necessarily the strength, well, of course I'm the strength guy, but I feel like I take that one step further and, and I label myself as the power guy. I like doing strength fast, you know, and high intensity stuff. So um, it's something that I nurture and the golf swing is something that requires a tremendous amount of torque and force and we use the ground as our, as to, to bounce force out of. So the, there's a phenomenal or an, an athletic sort of term coined ground reaction force where we create force it hits the ground, it rebounds back out of the ground throughout our body. And then in the golf swing, for example, travels through our torso, down through the hands, into the club head and connects with the ball. 
So there's those really cool competitions uh, called like the, the Long Drive World Championships. Man, those guys are weapons, weapons. You see jacked, big, muscular, 120 kilo guys whacking these golf balls with beautiful mobility and technique. And that's, that's a, a physical wonder. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cool. So you can tell right now I'm talking about the game of golf and, and I'm very passionate about it, but I'm very passionate about the biomechanics and the golf swing itself, yep. not particularly the game. Uh, quite similar with tennis as well. Um, you know, it sits there. And without getting into too much hot water or anything, um, golfers and tennis players are a certain, you know, I, 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 the way I explain it, uh, that most of them are what you would expect them yeah. to be. Not necessarily the guys that want to rip into to big heavyweights in the gym where your sport demands power. And I, the, the example that I, I like to give a lot of people is if, if you met a, a thrower, an athletic thrower, so like a shot putter, discus, javelin, you know, and that athlete said to you, oh, I don't do strength and conditioning, would we all agree that they're at a huge disadvantage? Yeah, sure. I don't think, and you know, I don't know much about throwing sports, but I do know the biomechanics involved in it. And I do know that strength and conditioning would have to be almost 50% of your training apart from the skill set and the practice of the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you weren't performing that, that is almost silly and, and at a huge disadvantage. And that's how I feel because that, that those throwing movements are quite similar biomechanically to a golf swing, to a tennis swing. So if you're telling me you're not interested in strength and conditioning, then we're not going to get along and we're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm, I can't pat you on the back for showing up and doing a little wood chop in a cable. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I like who I am. I like the coach I am. And the people that I work with like that about me because they know you're not going to get a pat on the back for a subpar effort. Yep. Fighters on the other hand, now we're talking. Those guys I have to hold back, right? I have to, I have to channel those guys and their energy towards more efficient ways of training. So needless to say, I've had an excellent experience where I worked previously and and with the athletes that I worked with, but I will say that my heart has not wholly been in it. And I think everyone that knows me in the situation knows that. And I apologize for that. Um, I feel like I perhaps maybe could have done a better job, but I still have to be true to myself. And my heart's always been in combat sports and, and the fighters and the athletes that I work with with that. Mm-hmm. So I thank you guys for, I guess, the respect you have in me and my product and my service for bringing me on and, and giving me this platform to get back to doing what I love. Oh, it just makes That's, sense. Yeah. It's so a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. I think and so. Yeah. I went to KDV randomly um, to... Long story short, went there to help them with hospitality. Nothing to do with the actual strength and conditioning. And then I obviously saw saw you there at the time. I hadn't been to KDV before, but I knew that it was like the performance place for tennis and golf. Mm-hmm. And being a previous tennis guy, I respected what they had there. When I saw the gym floor area, I was like, fuck. Obviously impressive. Like what, what they physically have there is super, super impressive. And then obviously seeing Ryan there, I was like, well, these people have invested um, – heavily in getting the very very best for whatever that sport is that's there um personally i'm not into golf either i saw ryan there i was like 
this is an interesting mix because clearly I knew him from fighters in combat and I was trying to put it together myself how it could relate. I'm glad you related mm. related it the way you did from yep. a biomechanical power point of view because I just generally didn't think of it in, in that aspect of what would he be coaching specifically because I knew you as the speed, strength, power yeah. type, of, type of guy and it's easy to translate that to fighting because mm. you see a perfectly thrown right hand that knocks someone out, you're like, fuck, there was a lot of power behind that. Yes. You think less of it when you think of golf because... It's kind of quiet. Exactly. You know? It's, yeah, yeah, it feels... I get you. It feels very different, but now you saying that makes complete sense. Mm. And you specialising in combat obviously also makes complete sense. More so from... and. I haven't been coached by you yet, but I listened to your podcast that you did on Gypsy Tales mm -hmm. with um, Jules and Chase and you talking about the mindset of how you would get someone into that frame of mind. That's like a unique coaching ability that it's tailor-made for combat sports. Yeah. It's completely different. I think it would be very hard for you to try and paint that picture for a golfer that you're on a nice green... <laughs> And you're swinging a club compared yeah, to yeah, yeah, compared to it's four minutes of the last round. You're on your back. You have to get up. You have to start throwing. You need to kick now. You're exhausted. Sprawl now. There's very. It's a very yeah. different mechanic that obviously you have a specialty in being able to bring that to combat sports compared to it just works. It, it fits very well with what you do there. Do you know what though? Just to go back because I know where we're going with this conversation. Even though Ryan says. I didn't feel like I gave it my all because I wasn't passionate about it. It says a lot because even while he was doing that, he still built such a big yeah. name for himself as the strength and conditioning guy for those sports, golf, even yeah. to the point where he was being flown across the sea to do seminars and to talk about obviously your experience and your knowledge in those areas. So I think you're putting yourself down uh, yeah. too much. No, you're not you're giving right. yourself enough credit for that. Um, I really like what Cell brought up and I think it's very important to note that I was very, very happy at KDV and, and the platform that they gave me as well. For sure. Um, and I respect, I, I have a very good relationship with the owners and the management at KDV and, and I respect them completely and I hope we, we maintain a very respectful relationship. Um, and credit to them, Cell brought it up, that they put me, the first thing I ever did before I worked for them was I advised on the gym floor. So I did the blueprint for the gym floor and, and set up the equipment. Then I took the coaching role there and credit to them for putting people like myself in charge yep. to make the decisions um, to, to provide the best facility and coaching that I can. Yep. Where I believe the wheels might have come off just a fraction, you know what, the wheels didn't come off. We, we were very successful. Yep. I guess I'm just a, the hardest critic on myself. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I might have been a fraction early with my philosophies and training style in the golf world. So, um, Mills, you brought up a, a good point that, yes, I was being flown around. I got flown out um, to New Orleans for the 2016 World Golf Fitness Summit. So I was a presenter at the World Golf Fitness Summit, which is a huge event put on by the Titleist Performance Institute. I'm, I'm very proud to have done that. Um, and, and the concepts and the training philosophies that I was presenting were not in my point of view, anything, you know, crazy, 
but it was like this whole new like you know I could see on on people's faces there were you know hundreds of people maybe thousands at the event oh definitely thousands at the event and um you know the looks on a lot of people's faces and the feedback that I had after like I was some like guy on the pinnacle of changing the strength and conditioning industry regarding golf where you know I, I feel the general population that take part in these sports weren't necessarily ready for me and my energy and, and yep. my passion with power training. Mm-hmm. Um, golfers, again, I yep. think mo- mostly like to keep it quiet and just do things that replicate golf in the gym. And, and that's just not my style. And whether that's a good or bad thing that I didn't conform mm-hmm. to, to what they wanted me to, um, I think it's a good thing because... Uh, Obviously, I believe in my training style and I've had the results that speak for themselves. Is there anything that... Was there ever any moment where maybe because you were catching fire and your personal brand and your experience and all of that in the area was catching fire and there was the potential for you to be known as the worldwide guy for, you know, strength and conditioning for the golf, Mm -hmm. you know, um, industry. Was there a point where you were like, hmm... I'm actually not really passionate about this. So maybe subconsciously, and it may have been a bit of self-sabotage or something, you t- took a step back because you're like, I don't know if I want to go all of this way. I'm more passionate about combat sports and I want to invest my time, my energy, my brand into being the guy in combat sports. Good question, statement. Um, could be wrong. Could be right. Um, I was just... Uh, what, what I feel is I'm more so disappointed in the athlete's acceptance of my philosophies yep. where I, anywhere, anywhere I go, mm, this sounds cocky, but most places I go in the world, I'm, I, I have that respect immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, people know what I've done. They, they've seen who I've coached, how I, how I personally train myself, always you know, gets brought up in topics. Um, and I, I guess I was a little bit deflated when people didn't accept my coaching methods or they thought it was dangerous or that's too heavy or, you know, like um, I think that's where I lost a little bit of my motivation and passion. So I didn't quite nail it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't give up on them, man. Like, yeah, I didn't give up on them. I didn't give up on myself. I'm just, I resonate better with fighters. Let's let's go down that mental path because Sel brought that up and – I've been coached by Ryan before and I just watched Ryan coach um, one of our athletes at Combat Training Center. And one of the most incredible things that I witnessed there is him being able to foresee or understand the emotion that's coming next before the client or athlete experiences that emotion. And he explains that to the person that this is coming and this is what your answer to this is going to be. So then immediately... Aaron, who was the who was the client or the athlete in the session, preconditioned his mind to feel a certain way and to have a certain mindset that allowed him to push through those extra reps. When if those words that Ryan spoke were not spoken, and as was just to comprehend himself, what sort of answer he would, you know, would he just wouldn't have got those reps out. Yeah. So I think like, and it's not motivation; it's experience. It's saying. This is what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. This is what you're going to feel and experience and this is going to be your answer for it. And this is why this is your answer to it because you're going to get this result. It's kind of just going further and further and further and further and 
it just made sense to the athlete and he got the reps yep. and he felt so successful after that, didn't he? Yeah, he well, like- uh, I think it's a level of confidence and education. Yeah, I can't, I'm an educator. Yep. So even on the gym floor, I can't help myself because I believe I'm going to get more out of somebody if they know why we're doing it. Yep. If I can explain, obviously they don't need to understand it to the level that I understand it, but if they can understand why we're doing it, how the mechanics are working, what's going to be efficient for them, um, I get more of an effort out of them. Now, do I get more of an effort out of them because I motivated them? Maybe. I believe I get more of an effort out of them because I've educated them they're more confident and when you're when you're not confident you don't train well mm-hmm. and you might not know that you're not confident i mean i want everyone right now to visualize themselves looking at a rack with a heavy back squat do you are you really confident do you know without so what i could say is like picture a task that you're confident with so i use golfers as, a, as an example so the golf swing a good golfer does not think about the mechanics of the golf swing they hit the ball to the green that's what they do in competition so me, obviously, my golf is, is strength training. So when I do a squat, the only thought in my head is to put in as much effort as I can. Squat, right? If you're not doing that, you're not confident. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking, okay, okay, so this bar's on my back. I should pull my shoulders back. I should chest up. So deep breath, set my core, okay, down. Where's the bottom? Is this deep enough? Oh, is that deep enough? No. Am I going to hurt myself here? You know? So if you're going through those, you're not confident. There's no way you can train hard. Mm-hmm. You might think you're training hard because the shit will get heavy. Yeah. You know, duh. Like it's always going to get to a point where it's heavy. But when you have none of those voices in your head, you take a deep breath and you squat, your intensity overrides the heaviness and you just stand the hell up. Yeah. You know? I can completely relate to that because yeah. I did squats the other night and I was like, oh, fuck, my knee's sore. <laughs> yeah. Am I going deep You know, enough? you've <laughs> always got that little that voice in your head when you're like, am I, am I doing this right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm doing this right, but am I? That's where I can come in. And that's, I think that's where people get the most value out, out of me when they come and do a PT session with me or something. I say, okay, like, you know, anyone can make you huff and puff. I can make you leave this gym tired and having a, you know, a good session. Like, oh man, that was a good sweat out. Good. Not... Where, where the value comes with me is I think I can make you better. Mm-hmm. You know, I can teach you how to squat. I can make you more confident. Because again, if you're not stable, so that's where I, that's where I start. Yep. Any athlete, I make them more stable. I show them how to use their hips. I show them how to use their glutes. I show them how to keep their knees on track. I make them more stable. Once they're stable, they're more confident. Mm-hmm. I use that confidence to then make them technically better and proficient then they're more confident. Mm-hmm. Then they can start forgetting about all those voices and just train. Mm-hmm. And that's when training's fun. Because if you don't think squats are fun, then we're different people <laughs> to begin with, but you're not good at them. Yeah. What happens with, you know, females get obsessed with the gym when they start to get confident and good at it. Females don't like the gym when there's that yucky steel bar that they have to put on their back and why, you know, why yeah. do I do this? Or I have to lift this up and that. Females then get obsessed with the gym when we remove those barriers and we, and we make them confident. That's how it should feel for everyone. Yeah. Just get a good coach. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking um, before about your training philosophies and you were talking a lot about minimalism and you were talking about stripping back the layers. Um, and I really liked sort of where you were heading with that because... Everyone thinks that more is great, but you're talking about quality over the quantity aspect of things. Yeah. So tell us about your training 
principles in that way. In regards to volume and quali- quality. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you're explaining how, you know, the fighters want to keep going, but yeah. you're pulling them back. Yeah, um, you know, uh, a guy that you sent me recently just keeps sending me these programmers. He, so he keeps adding volume and taking away rest. And that's, you know, that's, that's um, you're a rookie. You know, you just think leaving the gym and doing more work is better. You're forgetting quality. You're forgetting quality. So I'll give you the best example. All fighters think that if they have a three-minute fight, they should do five-minute rounds. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, even six, even sevens. Okay. I'm not going to completely disagree with that because that builds character, you know. But you have to understand that in a three-minute round at full tilt, your your quality and your intensity is way higher than no matter how hard you train, no matter how hard, and no matter how hard you are as a person, you're never going to throw the same punches and the same intensity that you do in a three when you're, when you're pushing it out for a five. You know subconsciously you've yeah. got another two minutes to go. So you hold back. Mm-hmm. And that was, we had a brief discussion about my swimming career this morning um, where I was nationally renowned as a, I was a 100 meter butterflyer, but I was also nationally renowned to die at the 75 meter mark. It wouldn't be uncommon for me to go out in the first 50 under world record pace, touch the wall, turn around, come off the wall, and then once I hit that 75 meter mark, I died. So the layman's approach to that, or just, you know, without having much education, would be okay, you're not fit enough to swim 100 meters. So we're going to coach you to swim the 200 meters. So therefore, 100 should be easy by default. And that's unfortunately not the best mindset when, when you start to understand human performance and more particularly energy systems. So the 200-meter butterfly is going to use a completely different energy system. You can get down to the stroke. The strokes that you take are going to be different. Your buoyancy in the water is going to be different. So I was being trained for an event that I don't race with the logic of we're going to take you further so that the 100 is easier by default. What I should have done, I should have done more sprints, not slowed down and went further. I should have gone shorter and sped up. Practice that race speed, practice that intensity and make that 75 meters. If I keep practicing sprinting over 75, 75, 75, I'm going to get fitter. And that 75 is going to turn into 76, then 77, 78, 79, 80. I'm going to keep training and keep practicing sprinting and pushing that energy systems capability a bit further so that I turn it into 100 meters. I don't need to do the 200. And that's how I relate a fighter that wants to do five-minute rounds when they got a three-minute fight. Yep. Show me a better three minutes yep. than push it out to five. Yep. Show me the best three minutes you got, the most intense, hard three minutes you got. Then we might consider pushing it out to three minutes 20 yep. Yep. if we have to. This is a, a main thing um, in fighting, obviously, where people go from being call it the undercard and then they end up being the main event mm. so they've and it can happen literally like someone drops out all right call you the main i i, I feel terrible for fighters that that happens to imagine training for three fives mm-hmm. and then they just like cool add two more fives to it and people are like oh yeah you'll be right like you you've been in the gym and you're fit but man it's a it's another another animal not just physically but the mental aspect of going i you have a game plan you have a this you have a this I'm going to throw this many punches. I'm going to do this many kicks of the takedowns there. I'm going to wear him out. I'm going to get him tight. I'm going to do this. And then they just go, scrap that. You've got 10 more minutes. <laughs> like, 
I, I often think, and I train time specific all the time because how else do you train? Like you, you train for what you're going to do. But I'll see people go to the gym, it'll include our gym, which is why we reached out to you because we understood things need to change if we want to be an elite level gym where they'll go in there, they'll look at the clock and go, they're so used to what strength and conditioning was for them when they were finished high school or just with their mates where we go, ten ben- we'll do bench press, we'll do three sets, ten reps, we should squat, we see people squat, let's just do the same amount of reps, we'll do some squats and then we should feel tired at the end of it, let's just like grab something and throw it around as much as we can till we feel tired mm. and then we'll and then we'll go home and we'll yeah. pull it a day and yeah. that was great and it was a good workout compared to in our case uh maybe a boxer i've got three minute rounds compared to i'm an mma guy but i'm a pro i've got five minute rounds compared to i'm an amateur i've got three minute rounds or three threes so understanding that i'm a jiu-jitsu guy exactly I'm, black belt, I'm 10 minutes exactly yeah <laughs> or, or i'm a white belt jiu-jitsu guy first comp I've got one five-minute roll, but that'll be the hardest roll that I've ever had. Like, I'm going to feel completely fried. What should I do to train for this? And it's too much guesswork. And particularly, I guess, in the space of combat sports, which is why we really wanted to partner with you, bring you on, bring education to it, that the training has to match what you're doing. Because <coughs> it's a male tennis match is a male tennis match. Best of three sets unless you're in a Grand Slam competitive area where it's best of five sets. Women's is always best of three and so forth. So you know what that looks like no matter what. In within our gym, as you said. But even so, sorry, yeah, continue yeah. on that point. Yeah. But I'll just make another point when it comes to tennis mindset. How long does a tennis match last for? Depends. Exactly. What's a long tennis match? A five hour. Yep. For a male. Yeah. Sorry, for a male. So, so then therefore you would say, okay, well, five hours better get yeah. running marathons. Exactly. But that's not the case. It's not the case. What is that five hours made up of? Yep, short, sharp sprints. Intervals, direction yeah. changes, short, sharp, yeah. sharp sprints. I don't care that it lasts five hours. Yeah. you got to last five hours, then go and practice your event. Exactly. And to, to put in layman's terms, I think that's what people need to keep referring back to, practice your event. Yep, that's exactly, exactly right. So and a jiu-jitsu guy versus an MMA guy, versus a boxer, versus a Muay Thai or kickboxer, whichever way, people honestly just look at it the same. Like they'll, they'll come into the gym or the banner and just go, what's that guy doing for strength and conditioning? Could be someone doing complete opposite thing, like one's fighting off your back and call it jiu-jitsu and another, bo- another person is kickboxing and the times are almost double mm. the difference in length. But they'll just go, if it's good for him, it's good for me. Mm. And then they just take that approach their performance may not be terrible, but it could be so, so much better. Yeah. And, and the one thing I know, because I'm new to martial arts, but I'm not new to SNC because I've been through programs, yeah. is that if you're not training specifically to produce your best performance on the mat, in the cage, in the ring, whatever it may be, you're gonna you're gonna suffer. You're gonna miss out on your full potential of what it could be. I I think that's good. What you touched on too, because I love athletes. You know, athletes train hard. Um, And like you said, may not necessarily, they may not reduce their performance. It just could be better. Yeah. You know, so let's, the guys that we work with, 
Let's get them on a more efficient path because we all know none of them are scared of hard work. That's no, why they're athletes. Exactly. So that's not usually an issue. The issue is what works best for you? What's more efficient for you? What's going to make you better? Because you're going to be better, yep. but I want to make you better than better yep. and in the same time frame or less. Yep. And I want my goal for Combat Gym when I come on board is I want anyone that fights someone from our gym, I want them to be like, fuck, this is going to be yeah, hard man. work. That's 100%. They got, they got Ryan. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, obviously, what I want to bring to the table is let one of our guys are fighting a guy from another gym and that other gym, he knows that our fighter has me yelling at him in the gym yeah. and him going, fuck. It's because that was always my, and still is to this day, my motivating factor for training, even though I'm not necessarily competing at anything right now, is I used to think, what would I be scared of my competition doing? Yeah. What would I hate my competition doing? Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's exa exactly right. It's almost like the Russian mindset where anytime someone gets lined up against a Russian, when it comes to fighting, you go, <laughs> you know, oh, it's going to be a shit time. Oh, and that's what I <laughs> want. What has yeah. that guy been doing? He's been yeah. wrestling a bear. He's yep. been doing this. Like the Russians are just known because no shortcuts straight down from their from their leader as their president of Putin all the way down to their Love kids. Yeah. They're just brought up hard. Yeah. And you're going to be in for an absolute war or a dogfight if yeah. you're going up against them. I don't think anyone has ever seen in their time like someone from Russia just quit mm. within, a, within a fight. It's not so built into it, them. They don't it's have that, that culture. They just yeah. don't, they don't have that in them. That's, that's the type of culture. Obviously you want to build yeah. within a gym or any environment. You, you, you want that culture of strength and fortitude within whatever. And whatever that, that is a task in. that I'm happy to rise to. Sure, I'm happy yeah. to take that on. And I think, and that's, that's where we, that's, that's why we all relate to each other because we have a standard and we continue to push that standard. And I love having this conversation because Sel and I love chatting about standards and, and, and trying to set that bar. And that's what we thought about combat training center because, you know, it was COVID, there was the pandemic. Um, we took a step back and we wanted to look at the gym and just look at, it's good, good parts and look at its bad parts and where we were failing. And we chatted to Coiny, um, who's obviously the um, director of performance at the UFC, UFC in Shanghai and good friends with Cell and worked with Cell for a long time. And he was explaining about how, um, you know, it's typical in MMA that you see people go through a fight camp and not really focus too much on strength and conditioning or they don't really have a great program. And then when it gets to their fight camp, they don't even worry about technical skills as such. It's just about losing weight and mm, trying to get fit. Yeah, horrible. And you know, when we're talking about standards, that's that's not that's not a good that's standard. A very that's, rookie amateur that's mindset. Rookie. But that's yeah. but man, you look, you know, look around the Gold Coast, look around Australia. That is what pretty much strength and conditioning is for yep. most fighters. Yeah, it's an afterthought. One hundred percent. So it's like we just thought, oh damn, we need to lift our game. We need to get the best guy. So it's just like that 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 was a a, um, a hole for us, you know. We have some amazing people, but we need that one person who can bring everything together and make sure that our, and we're talking specifically about our fighters, but you um, provide a, an amazing um, benefit to our general members as well who aren't fighters. Yeah. But let's just talk specifically about elite athletes. Yeah. You're able to sort of- That's important to note though too, because sure. I really, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's not like um, I feel like I should only work with pro fighters. I really enjoy gen pop. I yeah. really enjoy working with general public and they get- the same respect and attention out of me as anyone would. For sure. And I think that what they're going to get there is so exciting. But I love now that we're going to have an option where we're talking about 
when you've got your technical training, they're not going to work so hard that they're underperforming in their strength and conditioning sessions. Or you're not overtraining them in their strength and conditioning sessions, so now they're underperforming in their technical training. Mm. And I think that that's going to make the difference for us um, in our service at Combat Training Centre to provide a great service for these athletes so that our standard is set high so that when these athletes do go into the cage or in the yeah. ring or on the mat, you're right, the other coaches right. or the other gyms are going, yeah. fuck, these guys have really stepped it up but what i love about this is that it's forced other gyms to step up and i'm really proud of this that us building combat training center and now getting the the, the partners and the people on board is you can see it it's forcing other gyms to level that's up. undeniable so yeah which is amazing yeah and now it's what it really is doing is increasing and producing better athletes in our country mm. and it's making us more well known for the sport and it's going to benefit everyone in the long run so and yeah credit to you guys again for having that mentality and that attitude. You know, a lot of business people might be like, oh God, you know, everyone's, you know, we do something so everyone ups their game. Why don't you, you know, we're doing our thing. You can genuinely see that you are happy for the martial arts community for as sure. a whole to level up. Yep. And, you know, I've spoken about it before about you guys being the pioneers in the industry and, and being the first to do a lot of things. And I can, I know that you are genuinely happy when other gyms step up as well. Yep. When, when you've got other people stepping up and pushing at you, it forces you to keep leveling yeah. up. But what a mature winning mindset. Who have you got leveling you up? You guys right now, oh, right. to be that honest. Wasn't, that wasn't fishing. No, I know <laughs> you weren't fishing, but to be honest, um, uh, my girlfriend, yep. um, yeah, she she's my rock right now um, because I'm a very excitable person. Very excitable and, and I can just commit and just I'm like a dog with a bone sometimes and she, she keeps me level and, and she reminds me who I am and, and I'm not that big of a deal. <laughs> not that I think I am. But, um, you know, she is someone that I love having around. She gives me credit when credit's due. She tells me to pull my head in when I need to pull my head in. Mm -hmm. So, and obviously how good is that, uh, having that as a partner? Yeah. Um, but honestly, honestly, a huge part of my transition over to combat is you guys. Um, I feel like I've kind of hit the ceiling where I was at. Um, I can't, there's nowhere else to really go or level. Um, and the places that I want to go, I need help getting there. Um, you know, you can't be a jack of all trades. Um, yeah, yeah. I love specializing. I love being a specialist. I love focusing on my craft and what I do. And I'm so excited to be around you guys more often. Well, isn't, isn't that special? It's a value transaction. You want to get somewhere and we want to get somewhere sure, and we're man. partnering with each other to make that happen. That's what all relationships should be. It, yeah. it needs to be a, a well-balanced value exchange yeah. that everyone benefits from. And I think that that's what creates great partnerships. And yeah. that's what I think people probably need to think about a little bit, bit more often. It doesn't mean a cash transaction. It can mean just appreciation. It yeah. can be meaning you know, going out to the team out here in Hype and saying, thank you, you did such a fucking great job and them just being appreciative of that and that's a perfect value exchange. So I think that's something that we've been chatting a lot lately about lately. But one thing I do want to chat about because it's coming up a little bit and I think, it's, I think it's worth talking about. Ryan is someone that's at the pinnacle of his uh, skill level yep. and experience. And I don't think it's, uh, obviously it's ingrained in him in his personality, but I think it's a, a, a cultural trait that we have in Australia where we don't feel like we can proudly mm. sort of promote ourselves yeah. and the achievements that we've done. He's a fucking Olympic athlete. Right. 
He is at the top of strength and conditioning. He was at the top of strength and conditioning of golf and he's worked with UFC level athletes and world champions and everything. Why can't he feel comfortable? And I know that's a personality thing too, but it's not. It's a cultural thing. It's a tall poppy syndrome thing that we have in Australia where we feel like we can't talk about our achievements and that we need to downplay ourselves. But what it really does is self-sabotage us because, you know, you've got people out there promoting themselves and getting, Mm. you know, the result, but they're not, you know, why why don't we feel comfortable talking about our achievements? It's a a hard one because... And not that I've had experience in it, but like you said, there's a tall poppy syndrome that's there. So the the people that are the loudest do get the most coverage and they make noise and all that type of stuff. But equal to that point is because people are literally haters, they're wanting the perfect opportunity to tear you down. There, there is a level of like, I don't want to put myself here and feel like even though you know within your heart of hearts you've done the work you've trained these people you've busted your ass you deserve it Mm -hmm. there's also the level of going if i tell someone i deserve this or i say i've done this so i warrant whatever x may be that there will come a time that things may not work out for you perfectly Mm -hmm. and rather than other people Mm -hmm. often looking to say hey didn't work out for you this time, but you've put in so much good work in this lead up and you've busted your ass that that's just one minor fall there. Like, hey, told you so. You're fucked. Like, and and then they take that opportunity to try clamor on top of you. So it's often easier. And man, I I can relate to that too. It's often easier to just go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to say anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do my thing, be around the people that I enjoy being around do whatever I have to do in the shadows. And sure, that won't get me probably as much exposure as is warranted. And my message may get missed at times when it shouldn't get missed. But at the same time, I'm kind of helping the people I care about. So does it really matter? When it it shouldn't be like that. I I 100% understand what you're saying, that you should be spreading your message and getting it to more people. And more people should be collaborating with that and understanding that but at the same time i think we i think we need to start i think we need to change that perception i remember it was really interesting in a moment in time when um ryan was so elite he had sculpt and all these things and we were chatting about it because the fitness industry was booming and it was all about the aesthetics era and it was about you know pre-workouts and thermogenics and sports nutrition and fucking competitions and all these things and ryan's sitting there going fuck i'm just watching all these idiots who are uneducated but because they're good at spruiking themselves and talking about themselves and showing off their body or showing off this and that they're getting a lot of attention and that attention is equaling to deals and money and things and we were chatting about it because he's like i've spent all this time i'm i'm genuinely it's hard it's hard to watch we were talking about someone just earlier that now i I appreciate what you said about me um, being good at my job and, and reaching the pinnacle as a strength coach, but I disagree. Like mm-hmm. I've got a long way to go. But we were talking about someone earlier that pretty much has. He's capped out. You know, he cannot get a higher level of education. And I guarantee you, people more people have heard of me than they've heard of him. Yep. Um, more people have heard of an Instagram guy with six-pack yep. than him. And that frustrates me in the industry. Getting back to what Sel was touching on too, um, I thought he was about to say it, um, almost did, but yeah, it's so much easier, like this whole tall poppy syndrome. What we do in this country is rather than rising to someone else's level, yeah. 
we'd rather pull them down yeah. and pull them back to your level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that that's on, or I remember feeling like it was kind of on the mend um, a few years ago with this mindset of, um, what do you call it when there's heaps? Abundance. Abundance, thank you, sorry. Um, yeah, the, this new mindset of abundance. So, you know, why would I be afraid if you succeed? There's abundance, so I can right. succeed too. Like, I don't have to, you know, get my panties in a twist because you're doing well. That doesn't rob me of anything. Mm-hmm. If anything, the more gratitude and, and the more happiness that I can feel for your success, we all know that that translates to, to your own success and what, you know, what you manifest. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those guys that talk about manifestation and things like that too often, but man, I'm 35 years old and it's happened to me enough to know that there's a higher power or something going on where we attract certain things with our mindset. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting. Uh, anyway, I want to make a, I want to us at least in our crew, we feel comfortable talking about our achievements and helping each other rise each other up. Right. And if it starts with our small pod and starts to grow out, you know, that's where change happens. We're in an influential position as well as coaches and uh, with these young athletes where we can create a culture yep. and we do create that culture where everyone's happy for everyone's success and there is abundance and we can all be successful. Um, and it's almost our duty to create that culture. Yep. I think there's also a weird... Um, we, per se, us grew up probably what well, we did. We grew up in a different time. Ryan's 35, I'm 34. You're 30. And... It always reminds me now because I loved the documentary, the Jordan documentary. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And, and anyone around our time just like watched that, just went, fuck, what a time, what a time that was. But the reason why I was like thinking what a time that was was just because the performance did the talking. Yeah. Mm. There was never, like, there was no social. Yep. So it was just like Jordan goes out and scores 60. Really good point. That does the talking. He didn't say, he didn't talk to the media. Really he barely did point. anything. Yeah. He was just like, I'll just go out there and do this with my performance. And that was just such a period where we all probably nostalgically look back at it and just go, man, I remember when my dad fucking worked his ass off and his work did the talking and then there was Jordan. Mm. And then even the artists back then, like a, Biggie Smalls or a Tupac, they didn't have social media, but their music or their art or their craft just did the talking for them. And then we came from that period into this period where we're kind of the ones stuck in the middle. We're in the middle. Yeah, we're we're sitting there just going, man, my work and my performance should do enough talking. But I also know that there's this now platform on, on this that, fuck, these kids or whatever, who it doesn't have to be a kid, but these other people are doing their talking on this and that's getting more coverage than my performance. Does that mean I have to do that? But I'm stuck in this like push and pull. I love that. I love what you brought up, man. I agree completely. Yeah, it's a hard one because I'm the exact same. I'm just like- I feel stuck in the middle. I accept- that chicks are taking photos of their ass. Exactly. But I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, yeah. I'm going to say I wish it weren't that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all on board and I support yeah. it. Yeah. You know what? Like, you know, <laughs> I dare say, I dare bring up, um, I know of a, of a, not well, but I know of a female doing um, uh, foot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, t- yeah. doing videos of shoes and shit. Yeah. And I think that is fucking bizarre and i kind of hate it yeah. but she's not hurting anyone yeah. and and someone 
is enjoying it, yeah. you know. So I'm like, okay, I'll roll with that. Whatever, yeah. do your foot thing. I'll do, you know, I'll just, I'll just keep, I'll keep training in the shadows, and hopefully, you know, yeah. my job. But I do, I delve into that that realm of social media as well, and and I I drink the Kool Aid and and accept that lifestyle. But isn't that funny? Because yeah. I. I really feel stuck in the middle yeah. between wanting to shut up and do my work. Exactly. But then also wanting to succeed and, and know what succeeds these days. Yeah. It's a, man, it, it will, and probably for us, it will always be a battle and hard to really correlate. Cause the hard thing is, you know, too much, like you had seen so much, like that was all the media you consumed until you were, let's just call it 20. And now it's your next 20 years is a complete new age where mm. you're looking looking at this like i'm sure michael jordan's just sitting there looking at shit as well just going that kid's getting all this media but man he couldn't he couldn't i would fucking dunk all over him i'd yeah. smoke him but it, it's just a completely different mm. different landscape that clearly you have to adapt to but it is a very very different landscape very interesting very interesting now brother obviously we can talk for a long time we're going to have you on um, many times now that you know we've got this great partnership and we're so excited to work with you at Combat Training Centre and help promote you and help promote us and, and the great things that we're trying to do for the combat community. Um, but we're going to leave it here and I want you to leave our listeners with some word of wisdom, a quote, anything you live by, a mindset, whatever it is, a parting word. What have you got for Put us? me on the spot. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've always... Because I recognized through my swimming career, um, I've recognized the value of good advice. But I've also been victim, dare I say, of bad advice. So, you know, a quote that I have a coaching philosophy by is to never underestimate the value of good advice and to never uh, underestimate the cost of bad advice. And I, I hold myself accountable to that because I want to be the person giving good advice. I would, I would never sleep well at night if I was giving bad advice. So the only way to maintain that is keep myself educated, keep myself practical in my application, train myself, train my clients, surround myself with good people. Fantastic. Awesome, man. Really appreciate you coming on. and Yay, yeah. yeah, yeah, I got right. it. Yellow. <laughs> Right that time. Cool. Thank you. Awesome, bro. <laughs> we'll be around the gym. Yeah, we'll be in. All right, bro. Thanks, Thanks boys. Yep.